everybody. Welcome back. This is the Next Level Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Leslie. Oh my God, season two is underway and this is so much fun. I'm super excited. I'm always excited though for my guest today, um, Tani Wynn. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're the coolest. Like literally we were shooting the shit before and like we're absolutely ridiculous. And I love her because she's super real and she's super authentic <laughs> and she is a little bit, a tiny bit ridiculous and outrageous like me. Just a little bit, just a little Slightly bit. Slightly psychotic, depending on who you ask, right? Right, I think I was told um, I was borderline <laughs> obscene. Or was it obscene or borderline offensive? <laughs> borderline <laughs> offensive, not yeah. quite offensive. Um, but it's good, it feels yeah. good to just be you and be funny, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're not offending anyone, that means you're not truly speaking from your heart, right? Yeah. Because if you're trying to please everyone, then you're just kind of masking what it is that you're truly trying to say mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Right, I find that as I've gone through my evolutionary process, I was super uptight. Like as a child, I have so much compassion for my little younger self because I was riddled with anxiety and people pleasing and such an empath and all those like things. And as I've kind of realized what life is really like and um, come into like knowing who, who I am, I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. But not in a bad way, not like it's a negative thing. It's just like, I'm gonna be me. And in that process, I've become like a super jokester. Clearly, I swear, um, just because <laughs> I'm educated doesn't mean that I'm a human and I'm childlike and I can have a potty mouth and be absolutely ridiculous, yeah. right? And it, it's it's great. And you're very similar. I don't know if a lot of, if that's like for everybody. I mean, there's, I know I have clients that when they get to the other side of their, you know, evolution, they're, they're funny. But I mean, not everyone has that, but I feel that yeah. there's so much freedom in the speech at least. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of uh, girls, especially when they grow up, they kind of grew up with that good girl mentality because that's the mass that they have to perform for the parents, especially like coming from us, like I was an only child, you know, being Asian and all that stuff. So if you kind of go against speaking up for yourself and standing up for yourself, I think that's just naturally not normal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of time, I think women who discover themselves later on in life realize that I am a funny human being. Right. But why wasn't I allowed to laugh before? It's because self-expression wasn't really allowed. Right. Because if you're outspoken and you're kind of stubborn in your ways and you kind of stand up for yourself, that means you're rude, you're, you know, a bitch or whatever. But at the same time, they don't really understand that under all of that layers is true authenticity of people can't receive you because they're unaware of themselves as well. So it's just because you're outspoken, they feel more intimidated by you. Right. Yeah. So well said. I mm -hmm. totally agree. I mean, it's my parents were descendants of um, immigrants. Like they they were from Ukraine. So very repressed. Like they had kids to plow the fields to be farmers. Right. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have like the expression and the funniness and all the, you know, as much of the warmth, like my, my parents were loving, but it's it was a different mentality. And so it was very, guys did their thing and they were the ones that would, they would drink or do whatever and the girls were very nurturing. Like we're mm -hmm. supposed to be nurturing. How are you supposed to be funny and nurturing? Like <laughs> you can be, I mean, I'm a mom and it's yeah. completely shifted for me and I'm real with my kids. Like there's no mask. Like the, mm -hmm. I, am, I am as ridiculous with my children as I am the parent. And it's it's funny because 
they will bring out in me whatever it is, like whatever I need to be, I'll be for them. But I'm not going to not be myself anymore. Now that <laughs> now that I've come out <laughs> into myself, it's just like, oh, child, please. Yeah. No, 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 no. You will experience me in all of my glory, but you will also see the parent and the hammer will come down. Yeah. No, but I, I agree with you because when you said like coming out, I was listening to another podcast the other day. I mean, he's gay, but the way he talked about coming out, it's just like you shouldn't phrase it as you're coming out because you're hiding parts of yourself because of that shame or that guilt that you're buried under. But really, it's you're welcoming people in as you're showing them like who you are. And with that being said, with your kids, it's like you should be glad that you're able to model your true self is because a lot of kids, they're always really afraid. Like mm -hmm. they live in fear of their parents. Like, what are they going to think? Therefore, they seek approval outside of themselves, right? Because they can't make the decision for themselves. Right. And I think a lot of kids grew up without that role model of actually being true to themselves because mm -hmm. everyone says, oh, just be yourself. But they get criticized, they get judged, they get all of these demonizing things in their right. childhood mm -hmm. that leads to a lot of these traumatic things you experience later on when you're more salient and your brain actually functions. Right. So they take a lot of that internally and they grew up to be really self-critical adults right and with that it's like if your kids are actually seeing you for you kids um they what is that they're uh they're caught more than they're taught oh yeah so whatever you teach them if you're doing the opposite or if, if you're not truly showing them that this is how it's done to be yourself then mm -hmm. they're gonna be like well you're a hypocrite right you know like why are you telling me to do these things yeah and yeah. therefore it leads to like a rebellious kind of you know of vaulting all of that phases that you go through, but I don't think necessarily if they're raised properly mm -hmm. that they have to go through that phrase. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did your parents ever talk to you about sex or we were talking about nurturing and I, I right? No. So it's not like <laughs> an Asian thing. It's like it's, a white person thing too. Is that racist? Thing. Am I allowed to say that? Am I even allowed to identify as a white person? Am I, is that offensive? Is that I mean, you're I'm considered sorry. racist yeah. if you identify as white and if you're proud. <laughs> Okay, if what you're if a I... proud white person, you're automatically racist. <laughs> okay, but what if I identify as white, but I'm not saying I'm proud? Well, you're still racist. I'm still racist, <laughs> but, so what am I supposed to call myself? Is alien okay? It, it sounds better. I think people would expect, they would, they would accept that a little more than, I'm white. <laughs> so what do I say? Lana, coach me here. Cock Cajun. <laughs> How about I'm just a cock? I'm just a cock. Yeah. You're a cook. Step one, self-awareness. Self-awareness. Apparently I'm racist. Hi, my name is Dr. Leslie and I'm a racist because I said I was white. Yeah, thank you. Now you've entered a 12-step program. I think I have. <laughs> this is it. Oh, I want to stay tuned on my 12-step recovery from saying I'm white. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, back to the question. So, no, I, I really was not sure if that was like a common thing. I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people who haven't, weren't coached by their parents or taught or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I was never, never had the conversation. My parents never talked to me about sex. They didn't, mm -hmm. you know, it was, or self-pleasure or anything. And I think that's a really important thing. Like we're talking about understanding ourselves and mm -hmm. self-expression so we weren't encouraged as girls to be funny. Mm -hmm. I mean, my brothers, I had two older brothers, and they were 
fucking hilarious. Like they're ridiculous. And I mean, I wanted to be that funny, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't proper. It was like, yeah. you know, girls don't do that. And I never had center stage. It was always about the boys. And I would sit there and watch them. And I'd obviously have all the shit going on in my head, but I'd be laughing. But mm-hmm. part of me was like, well, I could do better than that, <laughs> than that. you know, but I just didn't have the outlet. Yeah. But it's the same with, with sex. And sex is a really big deal for women, um, mm-hmm. you know, in this time of empowerment and women are really understanding themselves sexuality is a big deal too Mm -hmm. so yeah i never had the chat actually i don't know if i said this on one of my other podcasts lana but um my for my 16th 16th birthday i can't even say it without laughing my girlfriends she was like two years younger than me she was one of my ballet friends her mother bought me a big ass fucking dildo vibrator and a playgirl magazine (laughs) yay mom (laughs) my friend's mom bought me that (laughs) first of all what is big (laughs) six inches put this six inches from your mouth let me see (laughs) well it was not as big as my microphone it was not as big as so no. I was be like, damn, I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was I was 16, I mean, I hadn't seen a dick before, so I mean, it was big. It was big to me then. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I can't even. I can't even decide because <laughs> <laughs> when you're 16, maybe it looked this big, but really, it was only that big because I'd never seen yeah. a dick before. But um, so I was like shocked. I'm like, oh my god. The first thing I thought is my mom will be mortified that I got this. But of course, I hit it and had it and all the things of course in the sock drawer right in the sock drawer yeah yeah sock slash panty well i didn't really wear socks but panty drawer i didn't really wear panties i don't think back then either but um oh shocking i don't now either lord lord are we gonna do the basic instincts (laughs) okay (laughs) cut me off at the waist Um, it cut off at the the perfect little part it did oh That's so good. Wait. (laughs) Oh, you can't see from my knee either. You do it, Tani. You do it. We're doing some basic instinct. (laughs) What a tease. We're all teases. Oh, my God. Okay. And my shoes are off, too. Look at that. Okay. I'm totally just slumming style. Look at your little foot condom. Foot condom. (laughs) I'm breaking in some new shoes. (laughs) They are little footsie condoms. I'm breaking in some new shoes, and they hurt like a son of a... Um, so I had to wear shoe condoms, feet condoms to, um, <laughs> and make it not hurt, <laughs> not for protection, just so See, it hurt. like even that we should have had that conversation with mm. our parents at a young age, like what the fuck are condoms instead of right. finding out at school, you know, when they're right. handing them out awkwardly. Like, I think not right. even my school did that. Cause I grew up, um, not here, like in Vietnam. So when mm-hmm. I came here in fifth grade, I think that's when sex education was supposed to be the thing, like in sixth grade or something. Mm. People remembered it, but I didn't. I was like, I don't remember having such a presentation because I would remember it. Mm, maybe you were sick that day. <laughs> you might. It's one day. Yeah. It's like one day oh, of really? school. It's one day. Yeah. My kids, um, fourth grade, they start the talk, um, and it's one fucking day. So yeah, if you miss that day of school, you yeah. are fucked until next year. All the kids will know about penises and vaginas, and you're gonna be like, "What are those?" <laughs> if your parents don't know, you have to wait 365 days until you have an opportunity. Let's <laughs> fucking hope, Johnny, you are not sick the next year. You said you were. It wasn't until sixth grade. You were yeah. sick on both of those days. <laughs> no wonder I was confused. That shit, dude. I didn't. 
<laughs> I was the late bloomer. I didn't know until sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, no, it's one day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I no, mean, I, I knew about like self-pleasure because I think um, I found like a pornography video, like VHS, when I was really young and I was in Vietnam and I found porn. Whose was it? Whose was it? Bitch, I don't fucking know. It's not mine. And I was like, what is this? I thought it was like fucking Titanic or some shit, right? So I put it in and I'm like, what is this? The, ah, okay. Wow. So that was the beginning of it. I think I was like seven years so old. So porn was your shit. teacher about sexuality. Yeah. This is a fucking travesty. This is what I'm talking about. No, it's crazy, right? Yeah. It's because my mom was divorced and she was dating, I think, when I was younger too. So I knew that it wasn't like a monogamous type of relationship because you know, as a child of divorce, you kind of understand and you see love differently. Sure. And you kind of see like another man, obviously, who's not your father taking on the fatherly role that you're supposed to have. And I understand that like me being in her life, I felt like a burden because I'm like, she wants to go on vacation. She wants to do all the cute, Aww. you know, things. Yeah. And she's stuck with the child. So I'm like, I'll go with you guys. <laughs> and she can't like leave me at home. Right. So I, I learned at a very young age, I think like six or seven while she was dating that I'm like, huh. Like, this is what dating is going to be like if you don't find the one and be together for the rest of your life. That means mm. your child's going to get stuck with your remnants of, like, the past previous relationship, which is, you know, my father biologically. So that's right. how I learned. So, yeah. So I want to come back to what you learned from the pornography and the <laughs> masturbation. But I do want to pick up where we're leaving off here. Yeah. And so how did that shape you as you got older? Because you're very entrepreneurial. You, mm. you know, you do multi-family investments, you have your own podcast, mm -hmm. you are bouncing all over the place, you know, <laughs> doing your badass shit. So did seeing your mom in this situation and, and, and embracing her sexuality and having a man and, you know, the th things you felt, did that kind of shape you and make you? Yeah, no, she was also like a business owner. Uh, oh, okay. While she was pregnant, like she had her hair salon going on. My grandma was actually very entrepreneur. Like we have our own family businesses in Vietnam. So we were well off into, until like, you know, the takeover of the communists and all that stuff, mm -hmm. right? When my father wasn't in the picture, like my mom was a provider. So what I learned out of that is when my grandpa was a monk, he's very... Um, how do you say this? Your he's, grandpa is a literal, monk. honest to God yeah. fucking monk. It's, he's a... Yeah, legit monk. Like the day he died, wow. like our entire village, like everyone from the city came to our house. It's because he was well-respected and he had a really big name and he impacted a lot of people's lives. Wow. That's dope so, as fuck. Yeah, right? That's dope as fuck. And look at me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like the antithesis of monk here, <laughs> spreading her legs on camera. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Zen life. <laughs> I love it. That's <laughs> so that awesome. Was the wow. modality, right? And it's so kind of cool. weird embracing all of that through seeing how my mom had to support me. And she is very, I guess, masculine in her role in my life. And therefore, I'm like, is it my responsibility for her lack of sexual liberation? Is because she's kind of stuck taking care of me at a young age where she can't date and she can't get remarried because, mm -hmm. you know, like with the baggage that comes with dating someone with a young child, like that's the burden I felt. Sure. You know, so yes. leading back into sexuality, I think I just kind of felt like when I was going on trips and stuff with them, like I know they're having sex. Sure. You know, did you I'm ever just, hear them? Did you catch them? I hear them? them, but I just could Did you leave. see them in a position? No, thank God. But no. I would be asleep you saw the, yeah. and they'll be like on the floor. Wait, you'd be on the bed and they'd like, be on the you floor? You know, like we'll go on vacation yeah. and like I'll be asleep on the bed and like 
I'm like, where's my mom or whatever, right? And I was just here. Oh, so they made they let you sleep on the bed and they yeah. went on the floor, yeah. not the other way around. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's it's fucking crazy, right? Like going through all of these childhood experiences to where it kind of shapes your identity as a woman, yeah, as a child, right? Who where I considered myself an adult <laughs> at a really young age because I'm like, I know what I'm doing, you know? Right. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, okay, if anyone can hear the dog crying, that is my old man, Jack. He's been sleeping with me at the office all day. Hi, man. We did a man shop. So, I don't know. Should I bring him closer? You can. Is he okay? He probably just wants to be right next to you. He might also, he might want some water, though, too. He's 16, super old, deaf, going blind. I know, baby. He can't see me. I think he's stressed out. Um, and he, his name is Jack after Jack Sparrow because he's a pirate. He, we have a very unique love relationship. We, it sounds so bad. We don't give a fuck about each other. (laughs) No, I love him so much, but it's very unique because he's like the most cat like dog you will ever meet. Like he just, he chills out. He's, he hangs out and, um, he just wants to be fed and he'll steal, he'll go through trash cans and you know, suck on my underwear and all the gross things. And, nice. um, <laughs> but he's super chill. Like he, he's, except now he's just a little bit stressed out, I think. I do have a question for you guys Shoot. though, because you guys were, um, since you guys were talking about how like parents don't really talk about sex to their kids, when do you think it's like a good time to talk to kids oh, about pick, sex? Pick me. Pick you. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead. Um, I know the answer to this one. <laughs> So from my years being an NP and all the things, like I talk about sex, I probably, (laughs) my counterpart, oh, poor man, the things that I talk about are probably so inappropriate (laughs) about the bodily things that occur in life. But um, I had, I, I bought a book on Amazon that was very basic. My daughter was in third grade. She was like, uh, second to third grade. So that's like seven, eight. She was advanced, though. I mean, you could tell she was experiencing the, the touching, the feeling. Mm-hmm. My son is 18, 19 months older than her. Um, didn't want to hear it, but was listening from behind the door. Oh. Um, but no, I remember her. It was the cutest thing. So the book was very appropriate. We talked about the penis and the vagina, and I remember it so vividly. Hilarious. <laughs> she opens the book, and so the page happened. We talked about masturbation, all mm-hmm. things. She's like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. So, okay, the hair and vagina and the penis. And, and then she flips the page and she goes, we're talk- looking at the big erection, right? Oh. The blood fills and then the, it's cartoon, like yeah. it's a drawing. And then she goes, so we're reading what, what it says. And I sa- she goes, so wait, mom. So that big thing goes in there. Yep. Ew, gross. Next. <laughs> That's how it went. <laughs> but then she got the concept and then she's that was done and it was fine and she you know she'd have questions here and there but yeah. not so much but no they really need to know at a young age yeah. so like six third years old. seven yeah. six seven eight I mean maybe it was early for me but I knew she was ready even though she yeah. was like grossed out but she was also starting to get like hair on her legs puberty was happening and the breasts were starting like she had the little mosquito bites on her Aww. her little mosquito bite nipples so I'm yeah. like okay I can't let her keep going without knowing these things because there's feelings and, you know, like yeah. a seven. Hormones are changing. Yeah, her yeah. seven-year-old 
boyfriends or whatever aren't going to be getting an erection. They're shooting blanks, you know, <laughs> something could happen. But I didn't want her like being attracted to a boy or liking a boy and then and not knowing what her feelings were because it was very right. confusing for my son who didn't want he did not want me to talk about it to him until he was like, you know, nine. Mm-hmm. And um, he was having feelings and he was having erections and playing with himself and all the things. So he was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to talk about it. It's like. Yeah, because you're yeah. like, do you not want me to know or do you not want me to visualize it? Because you kept it very professional with your daughter. Yes. When she was like, oh, that big thing goes in here. You're like, well, you're hoping it's that big, but it's not. Really <laughs> I'm dead. I'm the, the so drawing is, The drawing is not actual size. I'm so over you. May not, may not be actual size. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good disclaimer I didn't even think about that one it was like the size of the entire page you know what I might have to write a letter to the publisher and just write a disclaimer things in this book may not appear as actual size <laughs> I know baby we're getting you water it's okay I text them for water already so. okay all right But so did but, I answer your question? I think so. Because mm-hmm. me personally, I feel like um, my my dad told me that the when he started talking, because I didn't have the sex talk with my mom. I had mm-hmm. the sex talk with my dad. And my dad was the one who was like, because you're asking about it means you're old enough to know about it. Nice. So it doesn't matter. Like, like oh, when people say like, ah, maybe around seven, maybe around nine, maybe around 12. It's like, no, if they're asking, tell them. Because yes. that means that they already know, but they're just clarifying with their parent. Mm-hmm. So right. it's better. And me, like my opinion, I feel like people should tell, like you should teach your kids about sex the way you want them to know about sex instead of having like an educator. Te- it's like mm-hmm. it's like when people would learn a yes. new language. Like when you learn a new language, like if you're, when you teach, when you're learning Spanish professionally, they, they, they give you like the dictionary version of Spanish instead of like what the streets are like like yes. the street language of Spanish. And I feel like it's the same way with sex. Like with kids, you can you can teach them, yeah, yeah. a penis goes into a vagina, but you're like, okay, well what happened? How do you get the penis in the vagina? Do they have a Heinzman? Like they people don't know that they bleed the first time or something yeah. like that. So like right. you got to teach your kid as soon as they start asking. I love this. So I was totally void of any direction whatsoever. <laughs> you got to talk from your dad, fucking awesome dad. Yeah. I do want to yeah. find out what he told you because that's cool. <laughs> you learned through fucking porn, which we have to figure out also what you learned. So yeah. I love that like there is not a staple here, but at yeah. this I mean it's interesting because again I know there's a lot of people that are learning just from school too that their parents aren't talking shit about it so Lana what did your dad say and was it accurate now that you're an adult and are you a virgin (laughs) 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 I am sorry I had to throw that one in there because (laughs) she snorted too have you seen her throat? <laughs> Show us, okay. My throat got I, my throat is so talented. It looks like I got an Adam's apple, girl. I can open that shit. Oh. Virgin, my, my my eyes are virgins. Like <laughs> no, definitely not a virgin. But my dad, my dad basically, um, because um, I started asking about. I started asking the difference between boys and girls 
and my dad got into the whole like like girls have this because of this like girls have a vagina because it like you have an like you basically have the pocket you have the pocket because you're you're able to get pregnant this is how you get pregnant the pocket the he pocket called it a pocket. He called it, yeah in spanish he called it a pocket i forgot what it's called but he was like it's, it's like, like pocket pussy yeah. that's where it came from <laughs> that's what we are that's all we're good for we're just a fucking pocket <laughs> we're just a pocket for okay. cum so he, he gave me the we're cum persons <laughs> man bags of cum <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> oh Jesus! Wow. He did give me like the educational version of what like like what sex is, and then yes. he got into like like the love making and how like love happens, how babies happen, and how babies can come from, like out of wedlock, how babies do yeah. come from love, some don't, and how there is anal sex and there is vaginal sex. Wait, there he is told oral you about sex. anal sex? Um, not in detail but yes yeah. I mean, my my oh. dad basically told me like if if there's a hole a guy's gonna want to stick something in it and how old were you when this conversation happened um between the ages of like 10 and about 14 okay because i just i just always yeah. had questions 10 is yeah. good i mean you can be that explicit at 10 i mean with my son who's 10 oh my god I mean, just the older brothers of my friend, of my kids' friends. Yeah. It's just like the shit that he knows and comes home with. I'm like, okay, you definitely need to know what's real because, I mean, you're talking about things that you have zero context for. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, good for you. They haven't replied. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, tell me about your situation with the porn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, has this become like a regular thing? Oh, Did it scar you? Is that what, like the first? No. <laughs> I want to know how this influenced your, or your your first ideas of, of sex mm -hmm. by watching this video. Um, I think it definitely created desire. Okay. Like that I started feeling like attraction, like to the porn, right? Because porn, all it is is false dopamine, obviously oxytocin, because you're aroused and you're not understanding fully like, what conscious state you're under, mm -hmm. especially I was right. like seven years old or whatever, right? Right, right. So when I started feeling like arousal, I began to explore it. And I think that was the, the beginning of the exploratory stages with myself and my being. Sure. And that kind of led me to understand like back to the porn thing. Like I now would be like a year since I quit porn because porn was something that was interchangeably with the past relationships because I'm always like, it wasn't something I use for obviously masturbation like processes right but i yeah. think it was more in terms of like what are people doing mm. right because it creates false fantasies of you and your partner outside of a relationship because we've had these other conversations that are like if you watch porn and masturbate is that considered cheating so i have questions like that mm. yeah right good one so yeah. so porn was something that you had in your life regularly and you mm -hmm. sort of you've eliminated it from your life yeah so was there a particular reason? Like, did you feel like it was interfering with your intimacy or you just didn't want it or sort of no, share with me a little bit about that? I don't that. think it, um, I think overall, I think I had a fear of intimacy period of mm. like actual emotional intimacy. So everything was very physical, right? It was very masculine drawn. Yeah. It was very okay. non-connected. 
Yeah, if that makes sense. Like which is small. which is what porn is. I mean, yeah. it's it's meant for men. Mm-hmm. I think generally, I don't yeah. know a lot of women who are just like I'm going to go to the porn shop. Like you don't see creepy <laughs> women sitting in like the theaters <laughs> in Vegas here, like watching the porn. Yeah, I mean, I've never been in one. I'm assuming that it's the men, but yeah. um, I thought I saw you in one. <laughs> <laughs> in a theater or in an episode? It was a homemade voyeur <laughs> one. <laughs> Could have swore it was you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm JK, not JK. <laughs> exactly. Disclaimer, no. it's not her. No, it's not her. No. It's a blow-up doll that looks like her. No. <laughs> yeah, I think I have her at home, actually. <laughs> I, we're interchangeable. No, I'm kidding. Not at all. Um, well, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I know there's been a lot of um, debate. There's a lot of research about porn and if it's mm-hmm. toxic and how it affects people and um, so it's, I've never met someone who has sort of just detoxed from porn. Yeah. That's I great. Think, um, this was last year, right? So when yeah. I started experiencing the life after the awakening of like, is this how I want to live my life? And I started eliminating things and patterns that just no longer serves me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. in the beginning, like, why am I using these modalities or these coping mechanisms? Like, what am I trying to fill the void of? Not literally, but right. Know, Maybe like literally. <laughs> yeah. Right? Is it relational sure. dissatisfaction? Am I dissatisfied in the relationship, which I was obviously? And there's just always escapism in all of these things, mm. right? That you turn to, which is drugs, alcohol, usually sex, right? But yes. if you're not really getting sex from your intimate relationship and you don't want to cheat, what do you do? You fantasize and you go through all these things with your internal battle. Mm. That kind of leads you to like this path of self-creation is like, this is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing like being unhappy and unsatisfied with my life. And I think that's the beginning of the evolution of how I started liberating myself from all of these patterns and chains that kind of kept me a really, you know. I mean, contracted. Stagnant. So, yeah, yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very contracted. I wasn't really operating on anything but ego just because it was always about sex, money, drugs, alcohol, whatever. All right. the, nice. you know, basic level, <laughs> what rappers <laughs> rap about. Shit, right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Wow, so... Mm-hmm share with us a little bit about how that transition was for you. I mean, to detox yourself, to eliminate that, you have to, we've both gone through our awakening, right? And so um, many people don't choose to Mm -hmm. because it's challenging. You have to look at yourself. You have to look at the shadows, the darkness, and Mm -hmm. you got to dig deep and you have to like, it it doesn't tickle. It's not warm and fuzzy to be you know, saying, oh, my God, you know, this is what is is going on in my life. This is what uh, the beliefs I have. This is my wounds, my struggles or whatever. Yeah. So when you sort of identified that this is something that did not um, suit you anymore mm-hmm. because you had sort of a calling or a desire or want for something more for mm-hmm. yourself, how was that? Was it difficult to kick it? You know, what was... What came up for you, if you want to share, you can mm-hmm. be as, as um, um, open or as mm-hmm. superficial as you want to in terms of detail. But like, yeah, share with us what that process was. Yeah, so when you mentioned like shadow work, like it's gotten such a mainstream bad reputation mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the mass produced spirituality culture that I feel like people are like, oh, shadow work, oh, you can't touch that. But it's simply just triggers patterns and projections. Like who are you, what are you doing, and why are you doing it? Right. right. Yeah. And I, I want it before mm-hmm. we go on. I really yeah. want to emphasize that. I love that. And this mm-hmm. is why you, I get you and mm-hmm. I love you so much because we're mm-hmm. both in the same perspective. Like mm-hmm. 
we, we, we've gone through our spiritual. I hate the word mm-hmm. spiritual. I don't like spirit or spiritual or soul because they're so tainted. Mm-hmm. Like you said, these people who are spiritual, they get so lost in the spiritual escapism. Mm-hmm. I'm spiritual. I use crystals and mm-hmm. I use the... There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But that's not true spirituality. Spirituality. It's about mm-hmm. inner connection. It's mm-hmm. about energy and understanding yourself as an evolved God being. Mm-hmm. And so the way you're making it very matter of fact, it's mm-hmm. very non-fluffy. We're not, you know, crystal-toting prairie frolicking <laughs> hippies that smoke weed all day. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not being prejudiced. God, I'm racist and prejudiced on this fucking episode. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm everything you just described. I'm like, I play with rocks. No, I did too. No, and it's fine. No, I did too. I had the crystals and the, the, you know, did the sage and all that shit too. It's part of the process, but it's not the end game, the end result. So I really wanted to emphasize that part for all the listeners. Like there's, you know, spirituality and evolution doesn't mean that you're going to end up being something fluffy and and Mm -hmm. overproduced and and whatever. Yeah. So, um continue on I interrupted with your your evolution yeah and I think part of that empowerment of how I began to awaken right was just taking a closer look at myself and a lot of people don't really want that accountability is because they live in such denial of who they are and that they're responsible for themselves for the way they're behaving and for the actions that they project onto others right it's not your fault you're a young soul as what we call it right because you didn't know any better But there's a lot of times I feel like even being overly critical or overly harsh on yourself doesn't really lead you to actually healing yourself. And that's another word that I feel like it's getting a really weird deterioration from what it really means. It's just taking a better look at yourself Mm -hmm. and examining your being from your core wounds and beyond. Right. It's not like, you know, you can sit in the moon and all of that stuff, but all it is is just self-reflection time, right? Right. And you're just kind of looking at yourself with a different lens of Mm -hmm. more grace and compassion. It's like, hey, I behaved like this in all of these times that people told me I was too much and you kind of internalize it. It's because you're still wearing the mask that you took on so that you can please others. Right. Because you have to uphold that characteristic or whatever, and you kind of lose your identity in the meantime. Absolutely. You know, and part of that healing is understanding that you have to accept yourself first and you have to welcome you into your light, which takes darkness. Right. Because if you don't really understand why you're the way you are, you don't you can never become anyone else for anyone else. Right. Like you can't really be there for another person if you're sitting in like your guilt, your shame and you're walking around with all of these traumas that are just kind of weighing you down. And, you know, we can't really have this conversation if I never to go look at myself right because mm-hmm. i would sit here and pretend to be someone i'm not just because i feel like you accept that version of me mm. yeah. so powerful right yeah mm-hmm. yeah this yeah. this culture of spirituality is um their permission slips mm-hmm. you know the even meditation it's just another way to it's, an, it's another strategy mm-hmm. and people you know hate meditation and you don't have to do it that way. There's so much of the paradigm, the spiritual paradigm that's being broken open because, you know, there's people, I've worked in the spiritual community. I coached exclusively in the spiritual community over the pandemic. And it was beautiful because it, you know, I was still going through my sort of ascension process and really coming to myself and understanding who I was as a energy being, as a God embodied, Right. It is. We're energy. I'm. I'm just a piece of the. You know, chip off the old block, sort of, sort of mm-hmm. thing, um, and sort of separating myself from 
what what you know was sort of described as spiritual to what really is which is just me being i am right and all of those you know those things are just permission slips you know to to be a certain way and it's not right or wrong but there's so much more um and i just i love your perspective and we have that same sort of um concept of um just it's about coming at it very practically like it is what it is we have a block wherever it came from we can go there with our mind we do have to do the inner connection and it's you have to just connect with yourself and then you can easily unravel it Mm -hmm. i shouldn't say easy (laughs) it's not easy i correct myself it it can be Mm -hmm. should we let it be but you have to then of course understand your belief systems around why things are hard and the struggle and all that stuff. So yeah. I love it. I don't like using even Dark Knight of the Soul or, you know, um, like you were saying, um, what was the other one that you said? Shadow, shadow work. Mm-hmm. But those are so trendy and people know them, but it's almost like whenever there's, you know, spirituality was so hot and, and wonderful and then everyone got on the bandwagon and everyone has a twin flame and everyone yeah. has shadow work and I'm, you know, spiritual Matching journals and all of these things. Yeah, and it's just like, no. It's not at all what this whole thing is about. But, you know, everyone is at their place and we hold them in compassion. But that's why you and I are here to share with people that there's so much more and you don't have to don't get lost in the spiritual chasm of Mm. of needing to do things a certain way. It's really can be very practical. And I'm I'm all about practical efficiency, efficacy. Right. Mm. So connect with yourself, harness the power of your mind to figure out your beliefs Mm you know, your actions, align with them, and um, wash, rinse, repeat that yeah. that process, basically. Yeah, like when you do bring up the word alignment, right? Um, I did dabble in all of that spirituality stuff in probably 2017. I got like my DNA activation. I started doing a lot of like light worker workshops. I'm a master Reiki. Nice. So it's a lot of modalities or tools but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day they're just tools just like money's a tool to get you to a place that you need to go that's exactly right i did the same fucking thing like i was immersed in the spiritual community Mm -hmm. i i mean i went to you know reiki healers and i you know i had the crystals and i had the beads and Mm -hmm. i had the incense they were fucking lifelines for me when my life was falling apart and my third eye was opening i was experiencing all this fucking shit i'm like i've never done a drug in my life but oh my god what the fuck is (laughs) happening i think i'm going nuts like put me on some pills i didn't but it was just it was wild like what you experience when your body is kind of and your mind is going through and soul is going through this, sort of the shift. Mm-hmm. Lots of wild things happen. Yeah. So those are very important pieces. And that's, you know, again, but they're just, just like your grand, grandfather was a monk. He had his, his way of, to yeah. his spirituality, it's, it's one way. And those were very valuable and really mm-hmm. important to my journey too. Yeah. But that isn't necessarily the way you're going to be when you're on the other side of realizing who you are. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I started separating from needing the incense that grounded me and made me feel good and you know I wasn't afraid anymore. All of those things I started shedding and mm-hmm. I was like what's happening? It was very weird because it's like almost like I came full circle. Mm-hmm. I'm like I came from wearing nothing and none of that stuff, being immersed in it and then I'm like what the fuck did I just like come back yeah. to where I started? <laughs> what was all of that about? Mm-hmm. But I was completely different. Yeah. You know, I was completely transformed. 
So they were just tools, but those are very valuable tools because they may, got us through the process. Yeah, and even when you're saying like your third eye open, which is a lot of woo-woo language for yes. a lot of people, sure, which they don't understand the foundational to who you are is your your blockages are just in layers, right? So right. if you're blocked at the root, you're never gonna truly see yourself for who you are mm-hmm. because you're always in denial of that part, that anger, that resentment that you hold at a really core level. It's all fear projection. It's all right. fear based. It's how you were raised, how you were conditioned, how you you were programmed to be who you think you have to be so that you're accepted by society. But mm-hmm. at, in the meantime, like if you're not operating on a higher level to consciousness to where you actually activate like crown and third eye portals or, you know, all Whatever. of these chakra alignments sure. that, you know, the language as appropriate as it is, <laughs> but you're just operating at a higher level. Yes. At the same time, like you're not shedding layers and you refuse to let that go is because you hold on so dearly to these identities that doesn't really fucking serve you to begin with, but you don't know any better. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I love how you also were apprehensive saying portal chakras. I'm like the same (laughs) fucking way. I cringe when I have to say some of these words because I'm like, I sound like a fucking like (laughs) frou-frou. But it's the language that we're used to communicating, but it's not even that. Like I don't even recognize it as that. For me, when I'm experiencing life, and my process of interacting with my own energy and connecting with my truth and understanding my beliefs, I literally will feel an experience in different parts of my body. I call them chakras because that's what people, you know, a lot of people know, but I, I experience them actually viscerally in mm-hmm. specific parts of my body. Yeah. So you can call it whatever the fuck you want. You can call it um, banana spots. I don't know, <laughs> whatever, you know, my banana spots are lighting up. <laughs> Sounds like your dildo that your best friend's mom gave you. <laughs> Is that a nickname we should be aware about? <laughs> banana. If I had a safe word, it would be banana. <laughs> sure. I think it's my favorite one. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, for whatever sake, I use, you use portals or chakras, or my banana spots, whatever. I mean, I just, I feel... I feel them, but I—it's my story, my language, what what's comfortable for me. But it, the bottom line is, frou frou or not, whatever you know you associate with, we need to connect with our inner self. Mm-hmm. However you want to do it, meditation, contemplation, masturbation, whatever shun <laughs> you want to, mm-hmm. um, you know. But actually, it is true. I mean, masturbation, self pleasure can actually mm-hmm. open up a whole bunch of experiences and creative potential. That's mm-hmm. for a whole other podcast. That's <laughs> a blocked but, sacral. Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's it's just feeling into your body and knowing where it is because that is actually where you get in tune with yourself because your your conscious part of yourself, your soul, if you will, the conscious sort of energy part of yourself and your mind and your body, they're all connected. We mm-hmm. know this. There are physicists who are understanding this, you know, the concept of the different phases or the different aspects of our being, and they're all related. We have, and even medicals, in in Western medicine, we know hypertension is caused by stress. It's a mind thing. There's nothing tangible. So this is not new, you know, for anyone to understand this concept. Um, So we can't neglect how important feeling in our physical body where we're having these emotions or beliefs, because you know, our thoughts create emotion, emotion gets locked in our body. Mm -hmm. So um, what I try and really, you know, communicate with people and my clients and, you know, my listeners too, is not so much focusing on 
the portals or the chakras or your banana spots or whatever you want to call them. It's just, it's about connecting with your physical because when you start really getting present, when you're present with yourself, which, which is about connecting with your inner self, your body will talk to you. You know, and this is why I had on my podcast uh, last episode talking about the carnivore diet and how amazing it is because it literally can transform you, really connects you. It unlocks sort of what you, you know, for me anyways, and many of the people who are on it too, you just get this clarity and this ability to connect with your body in a new way because it's not sick. It's not always in this like chronic stress spot where I've actually been able to connect even more. My body can talk to me more. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. so much, then it helps the whole cycle of consciousness and expansion and your understanding of self and all these things. So, yeah, I think a lot of people kind of brush that aside, too, because they only use their body as a vessel, right? They put yes. a lot of stress on yes. it. They use it as a modality to, like, push all of these, you know, Western programming Right. That's my favorite word right now is programming yes. in terms of how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to talk, how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to connect with one another. Mm -hmm. And it just mm -hmm. leads to a very disconnected self. Right. And everyone, I just feel like at the core, it's just very lonely and very self-conscious and very unaware of who they actually are, what they actually need, what they actually want. Mm -hmm. And so they're not really, I wouldn't say attracting, but they're not even asking for those things because they're settling for such like lower level vibrational frequency whatever you want to use it right sure whatever yeah. that language is for people is i think at that level when you operate that's what you believe you deserve and when we're talking about like optimizing our health optimizing our mental state and awareness i think what it takes you to is just an evolutionary period of self of like reflecting back to you it's like how are we able to have this conversation is we're entering a very flow-esque mm -hmm. frequency that I think we understand each other in attunement and because we take care of ourselves too. But there's people that destroy their body. Yes. And you're talking about detoxing and all of these things is because I understand what doesn't serve me. It's, it's dopamine. It's because that's what I was addicted to, right? Like I had all of these addictions when I was younger, drugs, alcohol, cocaine, all it is is dopamine, alcohol, all it is is antidepressants because you just need to boost your self-esteem. It's because you feel like you can't be yourself. But I'm 100% doing everything that I was doing before, 100% sober. And I've never felt better, not saying that alcohol was demonizing me, but I just feel like I depended on it because I was so insecure about who I am that right. I needed something to kind of lubricate that situation of like, hey, if, I, if you don't like me, I was drunk. So you have something to blame it on. Wow, right? that's so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that because it's, I was just having a conversation about this like a day or two ago about why people use substances and, and um, you know, as a mechanism to, to hide or suppress or uh, this is great as an yeah. excuse and how it really makes people um, be different. And it can actually, it, it really helps contract. It encourages the contraction. And I, this conversation came up because there's a, a gal locally, very well connected, um, an investment, um, she was in investments, lots of, you know, handled lots of people's portfolios, and she died suddenly. She's my age, gorgeous, two kids. We didn't know what the hell happened to her, suicide. She was getting weird for a while, and then I guess it turns out there was an enormous amount of drugs and alcohol involved. Mm -hmm. And um, it just, it's, it's, 
you know, I, I had known that she had some self-esteem issues. She's very successful in many aspects of her life, very, very balanced with her feminine and masculine, but there were a lot of inner hurts that obviously she hadn't um, dealt with, and it was really sad, but I didn't, I haven't done any drugs. I've drank. I mean, I'm Canadian. <laughs> I think I was born with a beer in my hand, yeah. I'm sure, <laughs> or vodka, rather, and that's what we would drink. But um, I didn't understand the whole drug thing and, and how people get there. But I understand that it can be very, it, it changes you, it changes your consciousness. And I mean, you do, it's like a, it's like a negative spiral downwards. Mm -hmm. And it's so amazing that you were able to get yourself out of all of that. Like, yeah. I honor you. That's <laughs> so amazing. You're a fucking badass. And that's why you're sitting on my chair. The, chair. <laughs> the one that the tried chair. to eat me. The one that tried to eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I know. I'm glad you sat on that one and not mine because yeah. literally being pantyless, yes, I'm sorry. They yeah. made me take my pants off and I had no panties. If I would have sat on that chair, I would have like spread eagle and everyone would have yeah. seen everything. So I'm glad it was you because you're wearing pantyless yeah. today. I decided but one of us had to be appropriate today. Apparently. Well, I was. I came from my, you know, regular day job with yeah. my Lululemons, which are super comfortable and, yeah. you know, whatever it is, what it is. Yeah, and it's it's Vegas. It's like 117 degrees outside. I'm sweating. You know, it's it. You're wearing pants, dude. But no, coming back to that, like with the whole success thing, mm -hmm. like you're saying how she's portrayed as very successful. Right. And everyone always looks at us like, hey, you're outgoing. You're this, you're that. You have a social media presence and you look really successful. But there's a lot of times people don't understand like how detrimental holding up that image of success is to a lot of women, especially the ones that you mentioned, like that seems like they're balanced with their masculine and feminine mm -hmm. energy it's because all of that success driven it's all coming from a very masculine energy right. right because they're not in a receivership they're not in a nurture energy they're not in mm -hmm. a space to allow people to take care of them and i feel like a lot of these women uphold like really high standards to what success have to look like and it puts a lot of pressure on other women too and right. there's not a lot of understanding between other women in terms of hey, like you can collab and empower each other in terms of how we speak to each other and not just mm -hmm. make each other look worse in, in front of the eyes of men or other women. It doesn't right. really matter. But I feel like it's such a shame to see people kind of go out like that, right? Because yeah. you don't really understand what someone's going through. And, you know, at one point of my life, I did understand that that part of her is it's the darkness kind of consumes you it's because if even if you are considerably successful whether however you you're quantifying it in whatever metrics money or power status the amount of things you own whatever like you don't really understand someone's capacity until you look at their emotional history right it's because i think that's what successful people really reflects is their energy is is different like if you're next to someone that's actually radiating happiness and love and joy, all of these things that are not really considerable as success because you don't really see it on a materialism side, right? Mm -hmm. But you can feel it. And that's, to me, it's a successful person. So all of these people with millions of dollars, like don't get me wrong, they are successful too. And that's why I think a lot of these new age success are like, oh, it's about the time you spend with your family, the quality of your life. And all of these things that you can't really measure until you see how they actually live their life. Mm -hmm. So that, that's powerful share. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's amazing. Um, it's, you know, it it's crazy because. Um, oh, 
back and lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was thinking about dicks, Lana. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's the masculine energy of success, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's it. Like, that's people exactly make it, it seem like only men are successful, but... I'm like when women are successful, there's a lot of there's a lot more pressure. Not I don't want to say a lot more pressure because it's not, but like when a woman is successful and she has like a higher, like a higher position, yeah. it's a lot more stressful on a woman in a sense because yeah. she's still supposed to be feminine with masculine energy. Yeah. She's yeah. still supposed to be like the mom of the house, but she's also the breadwinner. So it's yeah. like it's a little, it's a little. I don't want to say more stressful, but it's a little more stressful when <laughs> a woman is successful. Well, it's it's hard, you know, right now, women are going through this huge evolutionary surge. Very you know, much. I mean, it's started a long time ago, you know, yeah. 60s, 70s or whatever. But um, more and more women are realizing, okay, maybe I don't want to have kids. Maybe I want to be very successful. Maybe I want to be money focused. And yeah. that's great. But it's like the pendulum, right? It kind of has gone the other way. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Again, there's compassion. There's nothing wrong with it. That tends to be what happens. And we kind of come back to the center. And so, you know, I see a lot of this and I, and there's a lot of disparity right now between men and women, like these women that are super empowered. I think Lana, we had talked about it too, when I was on your podcast and maybe when you were on mine, yeah. um, about, you know, some guys don't know what to do with these mm -hmm. empowered women. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there's, yeah. These guys talk about beta males and alpha males and all this stupid oh label God. shit. The thing is, there's everyone's confused. We're everyone's confused. <laughs> guys are confused. I get it. Some of them don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. You know, we're, women are trying to, you know, evolve and they want to have everything, but they've also gone hyper masculine. Mm -hmm. And some of the guys are like, what do I do? Do I have to be feminine? Or like, what does that mean? I, it doesn't feel yeah. right. It's awkward. Like, you know, so it's a, it's very interesting you know, being able to sit back and sort of observe what's happening, the dynamic is happening, at least in the American societies, I don't know, in the rest of the world. But um, I love that women are wanting to step up, mm -hmm. but it is kind of like at times going extreme. Mm -hmm. And that's where, like you were saying, we need to reconcile the masculine and the feminine aspects of ourselves. So it's great. You embodied your masculine. You've got your chick dick going on, you know, like, <laughs> great. awesome. That's what I was saying. I'm lost and lost at the dick. You know? the guys dicks, the girls have dicks. Like, you know, we got to balance out the feminine side. And, and for women who really want to be on the empowerment, those of you women that are listening, you know, be powerful, be yourself, be authentic, be driven, be successful, you know, be independent, but do not lose your femininity, mm -hmm. right? There's, and that's a challenge because women have felt so, and you know, unable to succeed. And you know, you know, you and I both have sort of come into that. But it, it comes to doing your inner work and identifying and really making sure you stay balanced. Because I don't, you know, there was a time when I really was focused on wanting to just you know, before I had my awakening, I was like working, working, working and doing shit and like getting really successful. But it wasn't, it didn't feel really natural. I knew deep down inside it wasn't natural. And then of course, you know, the awakening happened and I yeah. was like, oh fuck, okay, yeah. this is <laughs> happening. All right, we're going down the rabbit hole, yeah. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> so yeah. I do have a question though. How do you guys necessarily um, like recommend how to balance masculinity and femininity with a woman who's trying to be successful boom it's i was gonna <laughs> say if you want to. so it's 
that's it's a loaded question because there's layers. Yeah, there's layers to it. So um the first thing that I always recommend, like first step of creation of anything that you want to achieve in life, whether it's manifesting a, a person, place, thing, or yourself in a full embodiment, is you need to really connect with yourself. Mm -hmm. So taking time to become self-aware, mm -hmm. get, get quiet, whatever that looks like. If it's meditation or contemplation or listening to the birds sing or vacuuming because that's the only time you can get quiet and just really <laughs> like tuning into yourself and your truth because that's going to everything is there trust me mm -hmm. everything is inside of you when you can get quiet and connect with yourself yeah. all the shit becomes illuminated to you and fast and almost frighteningly crazily so you know <laughs> yeah so I mean, it's, there's many, many other pieces that come along with that, but you have to first get quiet because when you get quiet and still, you'll find out who you are. And then your, your, your perfect balance of divine, you know, your divinity as a female and your masculine will just beautifully unfold, unfold right in front of your eyes. So yeah. that's like critical step. And what level. about you, Tani? What is your recommendation? I think to even balance it, you have to recognize like what it's heavy on. Like where are you heavy in your masculine energy? Like are you not uh. able to receive from men is because you feel like you have to embody like a strong independent woman. Mm. Because I think a lot of us, like you mentioned, like when you speak about success and how men get intimidated like they don't know how to act in front of a successful woman or whatever mm -hmm. just because they're empowered in their skin they're comfortable in their skin but i think the right masculine man won't feel intimidated it's because he's the one guiding right right like men are supposed to actually be your guide they're supposed to lead you to your like divine feminine energies but right. because what divine energy or feminine energy to me it just means that you are at peace and you have emotional safety to develop that further sense of self-awareness is because most women, I feel like they feel more wounded mm -hmm. and they feel like they have to project masculine energy is because they're not in the presence of true masculine energy. So mm. they have to be that energy to, you know, overcompensate for whatever lack that they are, whether it's in money or success or whatever they feel the status power driven, you know, societal um, expectations of them are. Mm. And I think that's where the layers kind of begin to shed. It's like, I am enough, I am whole. And you cannot see where you have been burying yourself under your masculine energy yeah. all of these years that you weren't fully accepting of yourself and your self-worth. And I think that's the second layer, self-awareness. Okay, that was the winning answer. That was Absolutely. a great answer. <laughs> Clip. Uh, yes, mic drop, mic drop for real. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. um, I don't even have anything to add to that. It was, it was, <laughs> that was brilliant. Perfect. I mean, guys need to be able to hold their space and be strong and be able to stand by the woman in their love and their vulnerability, you know, and their compassion and sensitivity to a woman. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it was great. Okay, <laughs> we have like two minutes. I need to do my game. Let's go. Okay, so a lot can happen in two minutes. Uh, Ooh, pregnancy rawr. happens in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it takes that long. <laughs> Is this two minutes in man time or woman time? Oh, <laughs> right, six inches in man time. 
I mean, in masculine versus feminine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I am. I had this little wheelie spinny wheel that I'm going to introduce this this um, season, but I wanted to do a would you rather, or we could do some rapid questions, like um, rapid fire questions. Would you do you want to do would you rather? Remember I texted you? Do you want to do would you rather? And you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, what? Might just put me in a portal, bitch. I don't care. Okay. Cool. Okay. So I had AI. (laughs) AI. I don't know if if that is some sort of derogatory thing to be using AI. I don't know what's up and trending or not. But I use AI to make my questions. So you haters of AI, too bad. Um, Shout out ChatGBT. (laughs) Yes, that's it. You can sponsor me, ChatGBT. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, um, so ready for Mm -hmm. Would You Rather? Okay. Would you rather have a one-night stand with a complete stranger or have a long-term friends with benefits arrangement with someone you knew? Long-term. Long-term. Okay. Mm. Would you rather enjoy engage in role play with your partner where you are both characters from a popular TV show or act out a steamy scene from a romance novel? TV show. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather... Oh, we're not going to go that one. Nope. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do nope. It. Do it. Now you have to. Would you rather have an open relationship where you and your partner could freely explore connections with others or have a monogamous relationship with incredible sexual chemistry? Monogamous. Okay. Would you rather eat a bowl of live worms or a plate of fried crickets? Ooh, fried crickets. So good. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're not from these parts. I was going to say. <laughs> that was not a fair question. Her grandpa was a mug. <laughs> he ate crickets. I grew up on a farm, bitch. <laughs> Put Next pepper go. on crickets and she's like, oh, let's go. This is a snack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is so disgusting. Would you rather have... Would you rather lick the floor of a public restroom or oh. drink a cup of someone else's saliva? Oh, my God. Oh. Saliva. What? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if it's your lovers. Would uh, you rather have... say who, yeah. <laughs> would you rather have to eat a spoonful of mayonnaise mixed with hot sauce or a raw onion covered in hot mustard? Um, they both sound good. The first one. Okay. The white stuff. The white stuff. I mean, it's familiar, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's familiar. I'm trained well, you know? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Okay. Um, reality t- shows, reality TV shows or documentaries? Documentaries. Dancing or singing? Ooh, dancing. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite sex position? Ooh, reverse cowgirl. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, fuck. To see people naked. I do that all the time. I could just ask. <laughs> I could just ask. I could just ask. <laughs> that is the uterus energy. <laughs> Women can just do that. Just ask. That's <laughs> just ask. So facts. Superpower? Um, time travel. Nice. Ooh, that's a good one. Sunsets or sunrises? Ooh. Sunrise. Mm, what's your favorite comfort food? Ice cream? Yeah, ice cream. That was a yeah. long pause. Yeah, that, that was. was. There's so many. She went through know, so many. Her. She was like, apples, pasta, maybe I ice was... cream, sunny delight. <laughs> <laughs> Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. <laughs> or what does my higher self want right now? <laughs> ice cream. That's right. I was right there with you. I was like watching yeah. the list pop through. Like, yeah, bubbles are popping <laughs> up. I swear to God. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, what... Would you choose for a career path if it wasn't this one? Like a job? I she guess. said porn earlier. <laughs> what? 
let's skip that one. I don't like that one. Um, oh, yes. Okay. So from name the most influential excerpt quote or something from a book that you read. Like when something that was really impactful that stays with you to this day. Oh, shit. I don't remember who was by right now. <laughs> no, but do you remember what it was? Um, no, or you can it summarize. Kind of changes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Those two are coming off of the list, Lana. Yeah. I, We're no, scratching them out. I really like those because those yeah. are like, They're it's kind of like one of those, like what is what is your best life hack? Like kind of deal. That's that's what I feel that yeah. question is. Like what's your best life hack? Um, yeah, it's it hang keeps... around better people. <laughs> See? That's true. Yeah. Easy. That's an easy See? one. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's a good question. That's basically what that question is. It's yeah. like, what's your favorite excerpt we extrapolate? Okay, that's, that's what you're trying to say. Um, last one. What is your favorite way to unwind and relax after a long day? I get naked. Nice. Then usually I'm naked at home. Yeah. Um, take a bath, shower, crawl in bed, read a book. Nice. Partner, All naked? Dog, optional. Yes. Nice. What Either you... by myself or yeah. with my partner or with the dog. Nice. They're optional. If they nice. don't want to be in my naked space, that's fine. <laughs> my naked space is like the the man cave, Tawny's naked space. Like, I see it for Love sure. It. Yeah. Oh, my God. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, this no, is it's, it's my honor. This is absolutely Thanks wonderful. It's mm -hmm. great. <laughs> Thank you, Lana. Thank you for thank, having me. Yes, banana thank spot, banana spot, banana spot, <laughs> my banana spots. Banana, banana, banana is my safe word. <laughs> thank you, Jack, for whining through the entire thing. <laughs> this is my old man, Jack. I mean, he could not, he's quiet all the time, but he had to, and he's. That's <laughs> <laughs> an easy. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome, he says. He's <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you next episode. Bye. Bye.